Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson. We are back with the latest edition of the Pursuing Results podcast. We appreciate you being here. This is where we in, we interview successful people about one book that changed their life. And we've got a great guest, and we're going to talk about a really interesting book today. We'll get to him in just a second. But before that, I want to bring in my co-host and partner uh, in all things crime and non-crime related, <laughs> Greg McDaniel. Greg, what's up today? Matt, what's going on, man? It is always a pleasure to hang out with you. And uh, we got a killer, killer guest, man. I'm super pumped for what he's going to bring to the table today. Um, I got to tell you, though, man, a lot of people, what they what they fail to do to succeed in life is to do follow-up and to be persistent and consistent at the hard things, the unsexy, the unfun things to do and work. Um, but I came in sliding with my hair on fire today because I went up and I was doing hardcore prospecting calls last week. I was getting my butt kicked all week. And then uh, I met a really cool couple, older couple. And uh, after going out there and meeting with them and hanging out with them, I'm going to help them sell their house and then help them buy another house. So persistence rules, man. It's awesome. To, and, and they're super nice too. That's the coolest part about it. Good. <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I'm glad you're happy today. Oh, good. Uh, so let's bring in our special guest who I uh, connected with on LinkedIn through Marguerite Crespillo, which if you uh, if you pay attention to our other podcast, Real Estate Uncensored, you know that she was a, uh, a previous guest of that show, and then I brought her on to one of our other podcasts, and she's been phenomenal. She had me and Greg on her show. Mm -hmm. And anyway, we connected with Michael through her on LinkedIn, and Michael is a fellow podcast host and into the personal development field, and so... Uh, Michael Benner. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks very much. Looking forward it. to it. Yeah, so so you're up in LA. You've been, you know, in, in the radio business and uh, and in the podcasting game for, for a long time. So for those that don't know you, and there may be people in our audience here in California that already know who you are, but for those that don't, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? You know, kind of who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks. I moved to Los Angeles in the mid-1970s from Michigan. I was a young man in my early 20s, had just graduated from Michigan State, was doing some radio in Detroit, and I wanted to go to a major market where there was no snow. <laughs> that sounds like me a year and a half ago. Where, where nobody knew what a snow shovel even was, and so yeah. I thought, well... New York's a big market, but it's snow. Chicago, same thing. I guess uh, must it's going to have to be L.A. And besides, Annette Fumicello and the Beach Boys, and I mean, everything is in, I bought into that whole California myth. And I've been here ever since, and no regrets, man. I just love it. Uh, I, I lived five years in Maui, and my wife missed her grandkids a lot, so... Uh, who came back to L.A. and uh, just love it, really. You know, it's been good to me. You know, I'm a fifth-generation Californian, so it is literally in my blood to, to, to live in this state. And I've traveled to other states and immediately immediately get a sneezing attack, and I rush back to California because no place like home, you know? <laughs> well, you got to like the desert to live in Southern California. And yeah, we, you do. We really do. All you Southern Cal SoCal folks are taking all of us NorCal people's water. And I was oh, sorry, We got stuff to do down here. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, the podcast that you host and maybe a little bit about your, your experience in the personal development field. Well, thanks. Uh, uh, about the time that I turned 40 in the uh, mid-80s, mm -hmm. I realized that radio was rather a young man's game and I was being aged out of it. And... Uh, after being released, I'll say it that way, from uh, ABC, I worked at KABC and KLOS 
for a little over 10 years here in L.A., doing talk shows, a little bit of news, but mostly uh, current events-based uh, talk shows. And so I took my severance pay and I moved up to the mountains, got a little cabin. It was just me and my golden retriever and my shortwave ham radio. I was uh, in paradise. I loved it. And I used that to, well, probably a year and a half period, to decide, well, what are you going to do with the second half of your life? Felt like halftime, right? Mm-hmm. And what kept coming up to me, my, my primary avocation and real hobby outside of radio was meditation and self-hypnosis and raising awareness with deep relaxation and stress reduction. And every time I would sit on the porch at night and look at the stars and listen to the coyotes howl and ask myself again, what are you going to do now? You know, (laughs) that kept coming up. So I put together a little program and I began to teach individuals and couples and eventually doing corporate seminars and work with small business in the whole personal development field, particularly around self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Interesting. And so how did that lead to, where, where did the podcast come, um, come into play, the Ageless Wisdom podcast? Well, as you can see by the microphone, I'm sort of an audio guy. I've got uh, radio in my blood. I mentioned amateur radio. I started that when I was 12. I started commercial radio when I was 18. I worked my way through college as a radio guy and majored in television and radio. It's the only thing I've ever done, hmm. you know, up until the personal development work. So, When podcasts came along uh, about 2005 or so, I immediately jumped on it. And uh, that's part of why we thought we could go to Hawaii for five years. I thought, well, maybe I could do a premium podcast Mm. uh, or use a podcast to promote some premium audio and live in Hawaii. And again, it worked fine for about five years until... My wife has children from a previous marriage. I don't want to make it sound like I did not miss my own children. <laughs> you know, but we only came back because her kids and her grandkids, right. she, she just really missed them a lot. And Hawaii is a long way away, man. It's yes, it is. Five and a half hours by air from L.A. And all the people who said we're going to come and visit you, few ever did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. It's tough when you've got a family to, yeah. to put all of them on a plane. Yeah. So, so it, I started the podcast in, uh, I think, 07, 2007, and I've done it ever since. We have about 380 episodes on iTunes now. Nice. Very, very cool. It's called the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, <laughs> and it's part personal development and part esoteric philosophy which has a a transpersonal or spiritual overtone to it. But what unifies it is identity, who we really are, what we're really about. You know, I I started uh, studying a lot of that stuff, you know, energy clearing meditation. I do the uh, meridian tapping, clearing, clearing self out of my, out of my, uh, out of my own personal body, you know, doing the Sedona method in public. If something bothers me, you're just letting it go right away. Is that some of the stuff that you, that you kind of go over and cover and stuff like that? Yeah, but uh, remember, given your 
orientation to business and real estate and such. There is the Napoleon Hill material, Think and Grow Rich. Very much. Dale Carnegie, for example, and Norman Vincent Peale. Mm -hmm. And business people have always been interested in personal development and self-awareness. So that's definitely part of it. You know, it, it totally is. And when I started getting more and more into that in Napoleon Hill and reading those books, I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is exactly, you know, when it comes back to meditation and energy releasing and, you know, focusing on positivity and not, not you know, nothing negative. And I'm like, God, all these super, super multi-billionaire guys, you know, were able to do this stuff. Why is not, why is no, why is nobody else doing this stuff? Why is it not taught mainstream? Why is this not like a course in college or a course in high school you should take to get people, you know, heading down that path? I've asked that question of myself countless times and the biggest and by far the most primary answer that continues to come up for me is that most women and men are frankly terrified Mm -hmm. to face the truth of who they are. Yeah. And I often remind my students and clients, Hey man, the game is rigged. Look at nature. Where do you find anything that is ugly or defective in nature? In fact, Imperfection has perfection within it. If you and I come out of a forest into a clearing, especially if we're photographers, let's say, and there's one perfect conifer out there, magnificent Christmas tree, and a twisted old gnarly oak tree all burned up one side, which one are you going to point your camera at? Probably the nice side. It's going to be the one with character, the gnarly, yeah. twisted, old, burned-up oak tree, not not perfection. In fact, the Greeks discovered a little over 2,000 years ago that the reason their sculptures didn't look right was they were symmetrical, and none of us are. The left side of our body is very different from the right side. It's similar. <laughs> very true. So, so there, it was too perfect. It was yeah. so perfect, it wasn't even interesting or realistic. Perfection is an imperfection, and that's one of the paradoxes. So every one of us is perfect exactly who we are. We bring particular gifts and talents and abilities to this lifetime. And if we're going to be successful and happy, we're going to have to face who we are. And I think it helps to know that it's a win-win game. You're not going to find out that your parents were right and you really are inadequate and bad and ugly and no good at this. Uh, we need to work on parenting skills first off. Well, <laughs> I see the smitten flaw there. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. That, that could be another uh, program. But uh, we have these echoes in our heads and these fears that we're not good enough. And we're far too oriented, most of us, toward pleasing other people and gaining their acceptance than being true to who we really are. And so whether it's a successful business and prosperity, whether it's a successful loving relationship, successful parenting or anything else, just general happiness. I feel, I strongly believe, and I have a Ted talk about this online that many of us are confused about success and we think, it's a path to happiness. Actually, mm-hmm. happiness is the path to success. Mm-hmm. Happiness and fulfillment comes from loving relationships at business as well as at home. 
And that requires that we understand ourselves before we can empathize and be leaders of other people. Yeah. You know, I did, I did one thing, you know, Michael, a long time ago, I actually took that leap uh, personally. And I, I jumped in with both feet wearing boots into the deep end. And I really was, you know, pulled the sheet back and all right, who am I? You know, I really wanted to take a look at it. It was definitely terrifying. Um, it was also very rewarding at the exact same time because then as soon as you have the balls to actually do that, that leap and, and, and you know, taking off a kimono, as you can say, you know, you know, and here you are in all your glory, then it's like, okay, this is who I am. Now you have a base to build off of. And everybody, I think, in society in today's day and age has had their expectations set up here because you watch all the movie stars and celebrities and everything else. They're, they're all pretty and doing all the stuff for the most part. So if you're anything less than this, then you suck. But in reality, like you said, there's no imperfection in, 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 in nature. So no. you just got to understand where you are and just main, maintain that is where you are, where you need to be. You're playing a specific role in this whole thing of, of life and in the circle of life. And nothing is more natural than growth. Right. We're all evolving. We can accelerate it consciously. But even if we dig in our heels and say, no, we're going to grow in spite of ourselves. So... <laughs> If that's what it's about, I figure, giddy up, let's get going. Let's ride that pony, right? Yeah. Growth is what it's about. And that means shedding the stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing a book called Fearless Intelligence. It should be out early next year. And in that book, I make a point. In fact, the theme of the book, you guys, is that we believe fear is a signal of danger. And many of us... We, we carry stress, anxiety, and fear with us because of the myth that that's a way to be careful. In fact, fear signals what we do not know about our situation and ourselves, whether dangerous or not, mm -hmm. which is why so often people say, hey, man, what are you worried about? Why are you so stressed? Uh, and most people say, well, I, I really don't know. Well, that's the point. That's what fear is. Fear is the feeling of not understanding things, dangerous or not. And at the center of what we don't understand is the self. So by facing the fear, we know the self. Said another way, in order to know thyself, we have to find the fear and move directly into the belly of the beast. Well, it's, it's also very, very you know, therapeutic, in my opinion, you know, when you when you actually take the take it and you face fear, you look whatever it is dead in the eyes. Yeah. And then you have the, the 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 strength to go towards it and not run away from it. You'll mm -hmm. see most of the time it is not half as big as what you actually thought it was to be. Fear was your true was your true enemy, not the actual object or issue. Yeah, fear is a shadow. Plato talks about it in his allegory of the cave 2500 years ago. Uh, it's, it's like uh, sitting in front of a fire and a little mouse runs and casts a shadow the size of an elephant, a, a monstrous shadow on the wall, but it's just a little mouse. And you're right. That's exactly how fear works. It, it just, it's just the brain trying to get your attention and say, hey, here's something you need to know. Yeah. Matt, you and I were um, 
Jay Samet uh, encouraged us to pick out three things that what irritated us or we were afraid of or something. And, you know, then you could go and you could turn it into a big company. But the fact that the whole exercise, I believe, was to look at something that you might have been afraid of and then try to find a way to debunk it or, to, or a way to conquer it. When you start changing the way you look at everything and, and, and you gamify it and you're like, okay, this is something I'm afraid of or this is something I don't like or blah, blah, blah. Then you can move towards that thing with a different mindset. Therefore, it goes from the, the scary creature on the wall back down to the mouse. And yeah. you no longer... Well, yeah, and you build up. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, Michael, it's, it's the fear of the unknown where as long as you keep growing, there's always going to be more things to fear because there's more... You're always stepping into some aspect of the unknown. But the more you have a track record behind you of stepping into the unknown and figuring it out you can feel the fear and have more confidence that, well, yeah, I understand that I have the feeling of not knowing, but I have the, this reservoir of confidence that I've dealt with this feeling in the past, and it's never as bad as the feeling itself, and I can go ahead. It's not paralyzing. I can move forward. You guys got it. If uh, we ever find ourselves in a position where we're not sure what to do or which direction to move in, it's directly into what frightens you most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm trying to remember if it was, um, I think it was Grant Cardone that said something to that, that effect, that fear, fear can be used as a guide to know what the next direction, the right direction is, and he's speaking in terms of business, but it's, it's because that's an expression of your personal development, which is funny because all business development is personal development, especially when you come into the entrepreneurial world where you have so much direct control over what the expression of the business is. But um, he talks about how he uses fear as a guiding light or, you know, as a guide to, well, I should be moving towards what fears me because that is the next natural logical step in the business. If I'm doing things that don't, that don't scare me, then I'm staying within my comfort zone. I'm not going to get the results that I want. So I, that's that's really stuck with me ever since I came across that. Uh, yeah. Great guys like, uh, guys like uh, Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and uh, other business-oriented personal development people make it real clear that we should work on ourselves four times as much as on the business because mm-hmm. we are the business. And without people skills, without relationships, without the ability to, to to empathize and understand others, you cannot be a leader. You cannot inspire. You're not going to be very good at selling because you're trying to sell a product when you should be selling yourself. Mm-hmm. It's 100%. yourself. That old fizzle, <laughs> not the state. Thing. Quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you're in real estate, you could sell houses or you could sell homes. I'll sell homes. Because a house, is, a house is very, very you know, removed. A home is much more intimate. Exactly. And that, it, it attracts that, 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 that sense of, of, of love, family, intimacy. You, you know, it, it's much more emotional based. And you can talk about that. Yeah, and that, and that goes back to understanding the business that you're really in. Insurance isn't the business of selling insurance. Insurance is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, real estate is the same way. You're selling a dream. You're selling a feeling, a sense of ownership, a sense of community. And, and yeah, it's understanding the business you're in is always a good exercise is to ask yourself that question, what, what business am I really in? Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I've, I've come across that in a lot of books. But uh, before we get to... Uh, before we before we run out of time, I want to make sure that we actually cover the, the book, Michael, that you uh, that you brought and that you wanted to point out to us. So this was uh, Richard Bach's Illusions, right? Yes, uh, it changed my life in many ways. The book was written in 1977, 
by Richard Bach, who is a Air Force fighter pilot. Many people know him as the author of Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Hmm. And he was born and raised in Southern California and used to swim off the jetty in uh, Newport Beach. And he would get down real low behind the rocks and watch the seagulls. And that led to his interest in flight, joining the Air Force, later being a barnstorming pilot, which is the premise of this novel, Illusions. He meets another barnstorming pilot in a field who turns out to be a kind of a messiah or a guru to him, a fellow named Don Shimoda. And throughout the novel, you go along with these two as Shimoda counsels the author, Richard Bach, on the fact that what we see is a hard, firm, empirical reality is much more a projection of our thoughts, feelings, yeah. and the consciousness behind it. That life is what you make it is much more literal than most of us realize. Mm -hmm. And that uh, life can conspire to support you. Life really wants to support you once you understand the basic cybernetic nature of the mind. And I'll give you a quick example, not from the book, but my own teaching. If I say to each of you not to do something, if I say to you, do not, no matter what, do not think of a purple elephant. Damn it. I just thought of a purple <laughs> elephant. <laughs> of and of course, if I suggest, imagine a purple elephant, it's exactly the same. So when we say things like, I hope I don't forget, we're planting the seed in our mind of forgetting. When we say, sure, I hope, don't, sure hope I don't blow this sail, you're planting the seed of failure in your mind. And this is why positive thinking is so much more than a psychology. Hmm. Athletes know this. Yeah. Um, there's a tragic story from years ago of Sonny Bono skiing down a slope and mm -hmm. smashing into a tree. It took his life. Well, I know what he was thinking just before he hit the tree. Oh, no, I hope I don't hit the tree. Mm -hmm. uh, what yeah. any skier will tell you or a motorcyclist or a skateboarder is that you have to look in the direction you want to go, not at what you wish to avoid. So, in business or anywhere else in life, if we look at what we wish to avoid, we're going to continue to create it. We have to look at what we really do want, because that's just the way the mind works. And occasionally we can do things we can't imagine, sort of inadvertently or by accident. But basically, you've got to be able to imagine success, feel it in your bones, believe in it, close your eyes, visualize yourself driving that car, living in that house, putting that check in the bank, having loving relationships and beautiful families. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins in our generation is just excellent. He's an NLP master. He pulls on neuro-linguistic programming, which is all emotionally based. And so, as Napoleon Hill said, you must conceive it and believe it 
in order to achieve it. I couldn't agree with you more. I actually carry around a dream book here and I am very specific on certain things. I have like family, friends, business, everything else in here. And I have seen incredible things take place, Michael, when, uh, when I spend time in, in you know, spending, po putting positive, you know, energy towards uh, specific things in life. It's just, bam, all of a sudden, just things you could never, ever, ever imagine would take place and would, doors would open. Yeah. And one little additional piece of information, when we move from a win-lose mentality to a win-win mentality, when we design our goals so that they benefit everyone concerned, not yeah. just the self, yeah. then the universe totally conspires to support you in that goodness. Yeah. Once you meet in the, the biggest place to start with that, and Michael, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with me. And if you don't, I'd love to hear your opinion on it, is that you just have to get going. You literally just have to decide, make a decision that you're going to make a movement towards something and you're going to make a different and you're going to, you're going to make a, a move towards it because your conscious and subconscious subconscious is like your, um, is like a, a undercore undercurrents in the, in the ocean. They're always flowing. You just don't always see them there. Your conscious mind is like the waves, you know, they can ebb and flow, but if you can get your subconscious to gra grasp hold of this new idea of what you, where you want to go in life, it will pull you along and your, your conscious brain will be like, Oh, we should go over here. You know, when they start working in, in, har in harmony together, I've seen you know, spot things. opportunities that were probably there, but you would have never yes. spotted otherwise. Well, like the red car yeah. scenario, that's, right? That's a trap a lot of people fall into is they, they believe that other people are lucky. They believe that other people get opportunities, but they don't. And it's really a matter of them not committing to the re result or the outcome that they want toward the point where they actually start to spot and recognize the opportunities when they come up. Yeah, and you can see how that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Other people are lucky, not me. And life goes, all right, we can do that. <laughs> Here <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> we can serve that we up We can you. give yep. you that. If you, you know, everything stinks. Okay, we can create that for you if that's what yeah. you want. Right? You know, one of my favorite sayings is, the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both generally right. They're both right. I think that's Edison. Yeah. I think it is Edison. Yeah. yeah, either Edison or Ford. Yeah, I think it's been, it's one of those ones that bounces around and been attributed to a lot of people probably. It's Greg McDaniel. Either way, it's true. It. <laughs> so Richard Bach's book, uh, he, he wrote a dozen, and everybody knows the Seagull book, but I think Illusions is just game-changing. It just blew my mind, and I mean, it led to my fascination I always had an interest, but just exploded my fascination in, man, if life is a canvas and I'm the painter, in fact, I also have colored pencils and uh, film projectors and all this media at my disposal inside my head, and I can project my reality onto that screen. Mm -hmm. Why am I sitting here feeling like a victim? Why am I judging other people? Why am I desiring their life mm -hmm. when I have my own and I've got DNA evidence and fingerprint proof that I'm unique? Mm -hmm. And I saw a greeting card once that said, Congratulations, you're unique just like everybody else. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> that might be the most profound greeting card I've ever heard. 
It's pretty deep. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Very neat. That's just like everybody neat. else. Yeah. Yeah. Not so incredible, though. Yeah, it's well, it's it's funny. It reminds me of so speaking of Jay Salmon, he was one of the very first guests we had on this podcast. And he do you remember the book The Peter Principle? Sure. Yeah, so that was that had the exact same effect on him. So he read it as a ten year old and it exploded his worldview and he realized that wait a minute, these people in charge are they're not masters of the universe. They're just people like me trying to do the best they can and some of them are advanced beyond their position and it, it, it completely changed his view of what reality is and he realized that he had way more power to create the life that he wanted and that always stuck with him and I wish I would have come to that knowledge sooner so I had I was you know we're raised in a very religious upbringing Greg knows this because we've talked about it but yeah I mean I, I had a very um, fatalistic you know, not not in a negative sense necessarily, but just that I wasn't the captain of my own ship necessarily. Where I've come to believe now, I haven't let go of the religious views, but I've come to realize that this, I, I think God created us to be fellow creators and starting with our own lives. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a overlooked Gnostic gospel because most organized Christianity is based on Constantine and the Catholic Church, and they've only got four books, basically. Yeah. But there are these Gnostic Gospels that were burned by Constantine mm -hmm. and were discovered in the 40s, Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah. Nag Hammadi. One of them, the Book of Thomas, Christ is very clear about the need to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, the whole idea that everyone is a child of God, that uh, these things I do, you can do and more. So yeah. you don't have to divorce yourself from spirituality to be successful in the material world. Quite the contrary. I think that to align and dovetail nicely, once you get an elevated perspective yeah. of the teachings of all the great masters, uh, Christ and Buddha, <laughs> the similarities to those two guys and what they teach and uh, how both of them are rooted in ancient Hebrew text and Vedantist texts in the East. The same thing is being said. It's only when we get into the dogma of organized religion that it begins to get rigid and inflexible. They're not wrong, just maybe incomplete. Yeah, interesting. Interesting perspective. I like it. Mm -hmm. Well, we could, yeah, well, that's, that's a whole other, we could go down that rabbit hole. We'd, we'd be on a podcast for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Michael, this has been fantastic. So, uh, so remind people of how they can take a step towards you. How can they get the Ageless Wisdom podcast and, and hear more of your thoughts? Well, just a Google search, I think, The Ageless Wisdom or Michael Benner, that's Be Like Boy, E-N-N-E-R, uh, a search in iTunes or a general Google search will come up with the uh, podcast. We're also on Stitcher, which okay. uh, is a good mobile app and works on uh, Android as well as iOS and computer. And um, that's for the on-demand people, you know, that don't necessarily want to download and use up their memory. Stitcher even has a play later button. Yep. So you can sort of bookmark the programs. And, 
And, yeah, same uh, thing with the new, uh, so the new podcasting app that comes standard on uh, all the new iPhones and have they have been coming on that for me. I think maybe the last generation, the 6. Uh, so iPhone's podcast app has that as well. So I'll, all of the podcasts that I follow every time I sit my phone down on Wi-Fi, uh, it's set to just download all the shows that I'm subscribed to. So it's, they've kind of caught up with that, which is really nice. And we're in most of the major podcast directories as well. Uh, so just the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My website is the Ageless Wisdom. The T H E is part of it. Theagelesswisdom.com, and um, Fearless Intelligence should be out the first of next year. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to have you back. I know there's. I'm sure there's another book you could talk about that's been life changing that we can use as a, as an excuse to bring you back on the show. <laughs> I'm a reader. In fact, I yeah. even have a speed reading method that. My partner developed uh, about 35, 40 years ago that is different from any other. And, Interesting. Uh, it's not does, does, it involve, does it involve Greg listening to books on tape? <laughs> At times oh. two speed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something about that since you brought that up. Book sales are down, which is tragic. Ebook sales are down. But I just read the other day that audiobook sales are up 35% this year alone. Wow. Yeah, it's all society moving too fast. Yeah, we're multitasking. We want yeah. things to do. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can't have a we can't have a single second where we don't have some sort of. <laughs> as much as I love podcasts and audiobooks, that there does need to be some uh, some time for silence. Meditation, mm -hmm. silence is golden. No question. Yeah. That's right. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will uh, put a nice little bow on this one. Make sure to subscribe to uh, Pursuing Results Podcast as well if you're not already on YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher. Uh, we're all on the uh, major platforms as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Ageless Wisdom uh, Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, until next time, we'll see everybody on the next podcast. Thanks, guys. See you guys. <laughs>